0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Femme podcast. My name is Vry Kaiser, writer, contributor, and occasional editor for Femme, And this week, we are doing a retrospective for Revolutionary Girl Utena's 20th anniversary. And with me are Caitlin Moore and Dee Hogan.
1: Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Dee.
0: We'll save plugs for the end, but what do you guys
1: do for the site? I moderate, I edit.
2: I will
1: contribute
2: just not yet she's working on a, she's working on a big a big intro post, you know, make a big splash. Um, <laughs> don't say that, oh God <laughs> <laughs> no pressure though <laughs> don't no do pressure. things halfway. <laughs> um, yeah I, um, I'm sort of the contributor liaison, I guess. Um, I also do writing and um, just kind of some general. Um, organizational stuff for us. I keep the Trello board going and make sure that we get the contributors, um, assigned to editors and all that good stuff. A peek behind the curtain. It's all very exciting. It is. It's, it's riveting back here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we go any further, because God, I hate to hear about this kind of thing. Uh, I have neutral pronouns because people always think to my voice sounds weirdly feminine. That's enough of that social justice business. <laughs> <laughs> But as I said, the point of convening this podcast today is basically for us to geek out about Utana, and it is a handy excuse that it has been 20 years since its initial release now.
2: Wow.
1: Jeez. yeah.
2: I know, right? That's pretty oh, crazy. It's been, what, for me, like 15 years since the first time I saw it, I think? Maybe even longer than that.
1: <sighs> Something like that for me, too, yeah. You guys, um, 16, you?
2: yeah, 16 years. I
0: am. I am, in fact, the baby here. I didn't see it until two thousand nine. I found it during that unfortunate dead space between w- when Central Park Media had closed its doors mm-hmm. and uh, Noz- and but before Nozomi rescued the license. So I watched. You know what? Actually,
1: uh-huh. that is not the worst time to have come into it. Oh, really? I was going to say, Bri, you are like a little baby. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because. Because um, for a very long time, Central Park Media released the first arc, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then they went what about a decade without releasing anything else. Yeah, it was
2: years. They lost the license or something, and then they so we just didn't get the Black Rose and the Apocalypse saga uh, for years. In oh. any form in yeah. the U.S. So How does if you wanted, yeah, yeah, uh, again, some kind of licensing issue because then somebody else licensed the movie. So we had the movie before we had the rest of the TV series. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, eventually they did get all of it yeah. though. Um, I remember because I bought the full
1: series box set. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember uh, those when I was yes. in college. They're they're the... very pastel. Mm-hmm. The it came with yeah. a uh, a T-shirt. Fancy. Uh, yeah, men's extra large, black with a print of that uh, official art where Utuna has both Toga and Sayonji clinging to her. <laughs>
0: the weird three-way art.
1: <laughs>
2: Why would that be the shirt of choice?
1: <laughs>
0: no
2: homo, though.
0: That's the most no homo art they could
2: pick. I guess.
0: That's not technically incest. <laughs>
1: But yeah, <laughs> there's <laughs> not a, a whole lot they can of art they can use from the show that's not technically incest. Yeah, wow, I
0: I thought that I that I had an adventure watch. So, I definitely did watch most of the Black Rose saga with. U- desperately utilizing my bad high school Spanish skills because those were the only subtitles available, but... Oh my gosh, that's
2: oh, pretty fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, my friend and I, we watched, we got the originals on VHS at the local store, and then we were like, well, we have mm-hmm. to find the rest of it now. So we went on our very first ever, we're like, I think seventh graders at this point, um, our first ever eBay quest to track down the rest of the series. And we oh, found wow. some guys selling uh, CD-ROMs <coughs> with fan subs uh, on them. And so we had those shipped to our house and we, we pulled the couch up to the computer and we huddled around the computer and we watched the last, uh, the last two core of Utna. Um, that is how we did it was via fan subs. Oh, that's precious. I, it was the, that was the moment. I remember we, we, we popped the disc in and we looked at each other and we went, okay, this is the point of no return. We're giant nerds and it's never going to get better. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was, a, that was how I watched Utna the first time. And this is not. I.
0: <laughs> this is not a show you want unreliable subs for.
1: No, it's not. Like, which, um, so when I watched it, I checked out a uh, a couple of VHS copies of the first couple of volumes mm-hmm. from Blockbuster, mm-hmm. and that was how I f- saw the first few episodes. And then I went for quite a while without seeing the rest of even the uh, Student Council Saga. Oh wow. Um. But when I went to Anime Expo one year, it was the year that all of the uh, cause VHS, cop like the VHS were like thirty bucks. A oh my yeah. god! Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't have that kind of money. I didn't get an allowance in high school, so it was just out of the question. But then one year I went to Anime Expo and they were having like all those closeouts on um on the VHS because DVD was coming in hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I bought the rest of the what was out, which wasn't much. Um, it was just a student council saga mm-hmm. at that stage. But
2: uh, did two you... of the videos I got were dubbed. Oh, I was going to ask, no. did you get them dubbed or subbed? So you watched it, oh. so you watched part of it dubbed. I watched the entire first half dubbed. I mean, the, the first core dubbed because there just wasn't a subtitle version available to us. Oh,
1: oh no. Yeah, that dub is... That dub is famously bad. <laughs> it's not. A, I'm, I'm,
2: I'm yeah. a fan of dubs, but it's not a good dub at yeah, all. Yeah, like
1: I like dubs.
2: Yeah, yeah, I enjoy dubs. <sighs> I, I honestly, I have kind of a weird fondness for it because there's a few voice actors in it who I really like, and it's not their best work by any stretch. Crispin <laughs> Freeman. Like, guessing.
1: Crispin Freeman nailed Toga. Uh-huh. By... Rachel Willis
2: does a really good job with Utna. I liked her. Um, Again, not her best work, but I I liked her as Utina. But God, like the person who played Anthe was just, just bad.
1: Mm, Bad. I I will
2: say that I find it unfitting and yet
0: kind of amazing that uh, Dan Green plays Mikage.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's amazing. Huh? Wow.
2: I'm not even sure if I've ever seen The Black Rose um, dubbed. I mean, like yeah, don't I've never watch. Don't definitely because I, I think I kind of tried and I really didn't like the the guy they got to play Akio and then I then I caught a little bit of Mikage and wasn't really feeling it and then I was like, you know what? I'll just watch this in subs. The subtitle cast is incredible, so let's just do that. Oh man, Tomoko Kawakami, like as Utna mm-hmm.
1: just blew me away. God, just I'm, destroys my soul. In peace, uh, Re- rest in peace, though. Rest in peace. Um... Because she passed away a few years ago, I remember. Yeah, That was um. sad. Have you guys ever heard of uh, the of Ursula's Kiss? Isn't that the UK release of the movie? No, well, I don't know. Maybe, but it is a an alternate universe version of Utuna, <laughs> okay, uh, where all of the names are changed. <laughs> like, it, the world of anime licensing is really strange and confusing, and there's all these like intermediary companies. Mm-hmm. And one of them picked up the Utuna license to sell to dubbing companies, and I guess they did like um, sample plot summaries, and they changed all of the names. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, Utuna was Ursula. Um, let me see if I can find, <laughs> like, that's, that,
0: I mean, above everything else that is <sighs> 90s localization, that's the name you want to sell your heroine under, like, within five years of The Little Mermaid.
1: Yeah, that's what uh, I was oh thinking. Well, <laughs> um Utna becoming Ursula isn't even, like, the worst one. Um There's also a... Uh, Mikage was Sunny. Mitsuru was Mitch.
2: <laughs> At least that one kind of makes sense. Like, you can see how they got to that name. Wakaba is Wanda. Sure.
0: It starts with but the same Sunny. letter. That's all that 90s dubs required.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Sunny, Sunny is the one that kills me.
0: Please Sunny. please tell me they call Toga, like, Tommy or something. Because that's the most <laughs> 90s move you could do.
1: It might have... Bit. Yes, <laughs> yes, his <laughs> lines <it was>, actually, <laughs>
0: Tommy. <laughs> I know my '90s dubs.
1: <laughs> um, Sally was, or she already became Sally, and Sionji became Kevin Simon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that kind of fits him. I can see. I can see that. That that oh. is a very that that is a uh, that is a
0: young man who plays lacrosse mm-hmm. and has a sweater tied around his shoulders.
2: Yeah, that works for Sionji. Yeah, it does. Um, it's a very punchable name, so that works. <laughs> oh
0: my God. I, I have a certain soft spot for Sionji, but also there's no denying I do too. he's such a prick.
2: Yeah, no, I, I have... It's your fault, Rai. I have now I now have a huge sympathetic soft spot for Sionji when we did the, the recent rewatch. Um, yeah, now I have a ridiculous amount of sympathy for him. Yeah, S- Sionji is
0: one of those characters that, like, in real life is not a person that you should have to deal with in any way while they're, like, causing hell for the rest of people in life and are just yeah. terrible. But in fiction, you can, like, take a step back and be like, well, okay, you are also the victim of terrible toxic masculinity and, and a system that's jerking you all over the place.
2: Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the things I really love about Utna is I feel that way about pretty much every character is there's that element of it's even the ones where you're like, I would want nothing to do with you in the real world and you're, you're kind of awful. Um, they do such a good job of sort of fleshing out their backstories and showing how they got to be where they are and sort of what their motivations are that you end up sympathizing with just about everybody at some point. Um, even if they're the one it... awful <laughs> yeah even if even if they're really yeah. bad
0: except akio who i think is just awful but is also really fun to watch
2: there's yeah I hate like, Akio. there's the one moment though when you get their backstory where you kind of feel bad for him
0: oh yeah i i suppose we should we should go i mean if you've made it this far in you're probably fine but we are definitely going full spoilers with
1: this oh yeah yeah we you assume if you're listening to this Uchino without spoiling it
2: yeah so we assume if you're listening to this you you know what we're talking about so
1: you've
0: received the secret code
2: <laughs> you checked under your
0: mailbox in the bird's
2: nest
1: yeah um whenever i recommend utina to people who haven't watched it um you know i'm just like oh this is you know this incredible like feminist work but i cannot explain why because i honestly think going in as fresh as possible with utina is the best way to do it Mm -hmm. like some stuff is with spoilers but whenever i talk about utina it's just like go in just trust me, just watch it. I know it's going to seem really rough for a while, but just just go watch it.
0: It is interesting because I, I, I know my, um, as I told my, my girlfriend, I was doing this podcast and she mentioned she watched the show probably around when you guys did and had a real hard time with those first few episodes because she fi- kind of figured they were doing like a, a not like other girls thing with Utana and Anthony.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: That's, inter- that's interesting because that's actually something I've been thinking about lately is um, how, and I'm sure this applies to other people, my relationship with the character Utina changed sort of as I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first she really did appeal to me as this sort of like not like other girls character. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that, too, because I mean, because I think I related to that a lot growing up because I didn't really do the sort of traditionally expected feminine behaviors, dress, Mm -hmm. things like that. You know, I I wanted to play basketball with the guys and I wanted to, you know, hang out with my friends and not worry about going on dates. And so um, I didn't. Because I was 13 the first time I watched it, I didn't really get, like, the deeper levels of the series. But having that character who was, you know, heroic and the protagonist, and I was able to relate to them like that, still meant a lot to me, even though I didn't fully understand the feminist messages that uh, were kind of embodied in the story.
0: Well, and I think yeah, Utena is a character you can grow up with, because she's mm-hmm. she is a good person. She tries her best, it's just that so many of her problems state from the fact that she's selfish in a way that's pretty natural for young people when you before right. you kind of learn to empathize with others
1: yeah right she's 14 right she is a well, dumb yeah. dumb baby they all are <laughs> right and like all all of the characters except for akio they do this awful shit but it's all because they don't know better and that mm-hmm. and that's honestly like that's the stated thesis of the show it's about how adulthood is it's almost like a corrupting... can be a corrupting influence. Mm-hmm. And
0: yet, like, adolescence is this sort of savage garden where you just... You, you mean well, and you are this, like, be, you, you are this gestating object of potential, to use their weird egg metaphor. I was
2: going to say, a chicken and egg mayhaps. Yes, mayhaps. <laughs>
0: but, like, also, you, you have this concept of because you're in a shell you can't see other people who are not yourself and that causes you to do cruel things. Mm-hmm. This is probably a good point to ask because I, I always think it's sort of an interesting reflection on viewer- who's your favorite character?
2: Okay so favorite <laughs> just in question. terms of because well, like to me I guess there's I have like a favorite character who's just like the character I enjoy and who I like. Um, and then there's also the favorites who are more, the characters who are the most interesting to me, even though I wouldn't necessarily want to like, hang out with them on a weekend. Right. Um, so <laughs> ter- in terms of just like pure favorite, I, and it, maybe this is boring, but I just really like Utna. I always have, and I think I always will. She, the her growth throughout the story is very inspiring to me. And again, it seems like every time I've watched the show, something about that character has resonated with me. Um, and like you said, I mean, she's, you know, she's short-sighted and she's naive and she does some things sort of selfishly, even though she's kind of trying to do things for other people. Um, and so she is she is an admirable figure, too, despite her flaws. Um, and I, I, I've i just always liked that about her. So I think that would be like my my sort of knee jerk. My heart says favorite Aww. character is, would be Utena. Yeah, I agree. Utena is they're You know, they're all really great characters, but
1: Utena is just so close to my heart she really she's out there she's doing her best she's fucking up <laughs> I mean she's just seeing her try so hard and so hard and so hard and seeing her just so destroyed at the end is really hard Um this is why we actually always the movie. but yeah she's, she's really always resonated with me in that way because I'm a person who Tries hard and tries hard and then finds out that I've been fucking up all along. <laughs> Hashtag relatable. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. But then, but then, you know, when she when she figures that out, she then does what she can to change and to try to make things better. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's I think as far as like realistic heroic characters go, that's probably the best because a perfect character isn't like really you're never going to reach that level. So they're not really somebody you can kind of admire and try to strive towards. I think it's better to have kind of a flawed person who realizes when they fuck up and then, you know, try to do what they can to fix it. Cause that's probably the best any of us can do mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day. Well, and Utena is great because it feels like her arc
0: is really entrenched in and responding to like the world and the stakes in that world, where I think a lot of, especially in Shonen and I mean, I know this is shoujo, but it has shonen elements with all the tournament shit and all. Mm-hmm. It um, <laughs> a lot of those protagonists feel very stock in a way that that isn't quite so responsive to what's going on around them. They all have basically the same arc, whereas like Utina's desire to be the prince and to help people to be the prince doesn't happen without the very specific environment of of Otori.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point. And that's I mean that's kind of a good thing that the entirety of Utna does is every character is very much a product of their like they're they're all individuals with their own, you know, kind of like personalities and goals, but they're also very much a product of this prince princess witch dynamic that's sort of been infused in their world. Um, but yeah, that does Utna is very much like she kind of she is the main character. Like she's the perfect main character for this story too, not just like in general as a good kind of character.
0: Utena is a great protagonist, but I don't know that she would be as great a protagonist in any other story.
2: Yeah, I think I see what you mean there. Like yeah, yeah she's mm-hmm. she's yeah. very much for this for this piece of fiction, definitely.
0: Mhm.
2: You know, and yeah, and that's honestly one of the strengths of the
1: show, I think, is that every character is so perfectly crafted for their role and but none of it feels forced. Right. Mhm. I mean I wouldn't say that anything in Utina exactly feels organic. No, cuz it's a
0: it's a very deliberately like cons- by design. It's constructed. Everything is fake. It's it's right. Plato's allegory of the cave as long as we're getting pretentious.
2: Yeah, I mean but it is. It's it, it all it all kind of feels like it's happening on a stage. Like the school one of mm-hmm. my one of the things I noticed the most recent rewatch that I really enjoyed was um, you never really see people move from like one room of the school to the next. It's more like the set changes behind them. So you don't really get a feel for how the school is connected because it doesn't really appear to be. And so it kinda gives it that sense of, you know, everything is very much a story, is a play, is, you know, the shadow puppet girls. But the characters themselves still feel real despite being kind of in this very clearly um fictional world right as they because
0: they, they become real as they struggle against the roles they've been assigned exactly as they,
1: right yeah and the concept of struggling against the role that you're born into is something that's very like in culturally in Japan it's a lot more subversive then I feel like it would seem to us as people in the U S mm-hmm. because of that concept of why uh, the concept uh, that you should accept the roles that you were born into and to uh, do your best in it, even if it's not pers- what personally what you want personally, what you feel like would be the most comfortable place for you. So they're given these roles and they're expected to grow into them, they're expected to become adults who are continuing to play this out, and they have to learn how to fight against it. It's it's interesting because it is a very Japanese uh,
0: thought of ethos that concerns this show at its core, and yet at the same time it feels like a very worldly series because it borrows like, you know, Demian, uh, Demian and, and Gnosticism is very well Demian specifically is very German in World War One and it uses a lot of Western fairy tale tropes. But this underpinning philosophy is very central to where the anime was made.
2: Yeah. But at the same I I've I've seen a lot of people they don't want to put Uten on like their short list of shows you give somebody as like a starter anime. Um and Well and I would agree it's definitely not like the first show I would show somebody, but it was I had only seen three or four other anime before I saw Utena, and maybe it's because I was younger, and so like the weirdness of it didn't really click for me because I hadn't been exposed to as much fiction at that point. But I feel like because there is so much about it that's drawn from Western fairy tales, and the school itself is kind of Greco-Roman style, um, I think it's one where you don't you can give it to somebody and they don't necessarily have to know a bunch about Japanese culture to be able to jump into it. Um, And so in that regard, I don't necessarily see it as like a, I see it as like a decent starter show because it's not like, okay, well, here's, here's a book about Japanese culture that you should probably read. So you understand how schools work and how, you know, you know what I mean? (laughs)
1: Like
2: you don't really need that with Utina. It's, it's very much got this kind of international, almost Western. It there's, there's a, there's enough in there that you can, that you can jump into it and kind of understand where they're drawing from. Which I think is kind of cool because I mean, you know, you guys were talking about how it has this this kind of Japanese core to it in terms of accepting your roles, but then you realize that the those prince princess stories are so deeply embedded in our own culture that maybe this idea of sticking to your role is a lot stronger in our own societies than we than we maybe like to pretend it is. Absolutely, it's true. It's true.
1: Yeah, I would say that. Usna has a fairly high barrier to entry, but the barrier to entry isn't cultural necessarily. It's just sort of the willingness to go along with it and to sort of do the level of reading that it takes to really get the show because it's not a show that you just kind of sit back and watch. It's a show that you have to think about to get, which I wouldn't. Uh, necessarily recommend to someone just when like I wouldn't hand it to someone if they sought it out just as they're getting into anime as a medium I don't think it would be a problem but I wouldn't be like oh you're getting an anime I know this great one I I will say that
0: I don't think I mean I think it definitely is a show that a person could a person who hasn't watched a lot of anime could could write off as ah that's a weird Anime thing because I have escaped from the '90s where the only anime that exists is Urusei and Pokemon, <laughs> um, but, but
1: the re- and Ninja Scroll. <laughs> oh my
0: god! <laughs> <laughs> but the the real issue, the real barrier, I think, is an ability to read visual media. I, I had a friend who absolutely adored this series who was a f- who had almost never watched any anime except for like the you know Akira and the occasional Miyazaki movie who just adored it and she was a, an art film student and i think the show does it does want to help its reader like a lot of the black rose saga i think exists to like take the viewer by the hand and and teach them how to read visual symbolism with all like the pointing hands and stuff but it's still <laughs> yeah. it still can be you know to someone who's just had high school english and doesn't and maybe knows the very basics of reading symbolism in text but not in 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 a visual medium it's just fucking opaque
1: yeah, exactly. Like, you have to be willing, like, you have to be able to really read visual language, which a lot of people d- don't develop the literacy with, whether it's because they're used to being passive viewers, or sometimes there's an element of snobbery to it, like people who think that the written word is inherently superior to the visual image. <laughs>
0: Yeah, a- a- as an actual published writer, I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit on that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, like, that's an, a, a fight I've gotten into with a few people.
2: Wow. Yeah. No, the The visual work in that show is incredible. I actually give Utna a lot of credit because um, I the first time I watched it, I had not taken that high school English course. And I give Utna a lot of credit for, I think, without me even realizing it, kind of teaching me to understand, like, how to... Um, spot you know recurring imager uh, images or you know, uh, figure out kind of what a metaphor is or how you know this thing relates to this thing later in the story. It was It was a weird, a weird primer, I guess, again, as a, as a, a middle school kid um, kind of jumping into it. But I think maybe that's why I tend to not, be as, oh well, make sure you understand how visual imagery works when you watch this, otherwise you won't get it because I watched it when I was thirteen and I didn't completely get it, but I loved it. I and again it was because I was able to connect with the characters and their journeys and, you know, kind of like and teasing out the the mystery of, you know, what's going on at Otorio Academy. And so, the thing I love about Utenna and that and the reason I, I kind of shy away from that idea of like, well, don't watch it unless you have like a unless you're really willing to dig into it that first time through mm-hmm. um is because I think you can enjoy it on a very just base like here are some really interesting people at a weird school, you know, trying to live their lives as you know, with the the central friendship that turns into a romance and uh, the way the different characters kind of interact with each other. Hey, if I hear one more, if, if I hear one more comment about how Utana and
0: Anthe are just friends, I am going to have to kick
1: somebody out of something
2: tall. I'm sorry, I used to be that person. Me too, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we apologize. You, I, um, I,
0: as the as the stand-in for the entire queer community, hereby give you my absolving blessing.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I give my I try to give myself a little bit of leeway on that because um, as an ace kid who didn't know they were ace, well, um, it was really important for me to have friendship stories. So yeah, I think no, that's, that's the main reason I really clung to, like, no, they're really good friends. You can have a really good friendship story. It's not all about romance, guys. God. Like, <laughs> I had definitely had that pushback against stories like that and I mean I wasn't that way all the time like I when I watched the movie I was like oh yeah no they're totally in a romance in the movie but I saw them as like different stories so Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. see a problem with that being a romance in the series being a friendship story but but now now I rewatched. I'm like oh this is a beautiful little romance so I have no problem with it now yeah Um,
1: but going back Mm -hmm. to like the visual language thing I almost think that your willingness to go with it has a lot to do with how young you were when you were when you watched it Mm -hmm. because I you know it was the same thing for me I watched it when I was really young I was just like well this is kind of weird but it's cool so I'm just gonna go with it but I feel like an adult would have a different reaction to it adults are a little bit less uh, open-minded about things if they're not trained uh, to think in a certain way yeah I
2: guess if you're not already used to kind of you know sort of abstract Mm -hmm. or sort of visually kind of strange media then jumping into Utina would be would be very kind of surprising and off-putting yeah um and Utina was actually
1: almost my uh intro to that sort of approach Mm -hmm. because when I was in college I had to take a composition course but the composition courses all had different themes and the one I took was high school movies of the since the 1980s and one of the uh Uh, supplementary movies that you could choose to watch and write about for credit was uh, Adolescence of Utana*. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, the professor was like a big anime geek. Nice. I mean, I guess. um, This was was the class that uh, he walked in the first day doing a Napoleon Dynamite impression for like five minutes. Oh my gosh.
0: And then he turned
1: his chair around backwards and... (laughs) I mean, he was a grad student, so he was younger. Mm-hmm. But, like, I did my f- first 10-page term paper about the uh, use of cars as visual metaphor in uh, the TV show and in the movie mm-hmm. and comparing those. So Utuna was really, like, it was sort of the first thing that I really looked at that way, speaking in terms of visuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just... It has been like my first thing for a lot of different stuff. Yeah, and I, I definitely um,
2: feel that too.
0: I wonder if there is an element that it helped to. You know, I, I definitely think that you're right. It's one of those shows that you need something going in, either a familiarity with anime or a willingness to watch it as you know visual or what. But just like you can't go into it blind with none of these things. Yeah. Or um, but I do wonder. If it changes things for say a younger audience to watch it now who isn't as familiar with the '80s and even early '90s anime that it was responding to because I uh, I caught a glimpse of somebody who was who was watching it for the first time who I think is a little bit younger and was you know asking questions about well why is you know is it was is it really necessary to have all this incest in here kind of with maybe not necessarily knowing that uh yes yes this is a very pertinent comment on how anime then and now but worse tends to play with those the theory of those lines but when you actually confront the reality of what that would look like that's not, that's no, that's that's an unpleasant and abusive thing, and Nanami is my favorite character, and I may have feels about that entire arc.
2: <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, we haven't gotten Vry's favorite character yet, I can't imagine who it is. It's just, uh,
0: she's goodness. such a sad, she's so awful, but she's also so pathetic, and I really love the, the fact that she's a foil to Anthe in a quiet way that the series never really overtly comments on. But there's just that quiet secondary arc going on where Anthony just hates her, but is also kind of trying to help her.
1: Yeah, she's, she's younger than everyone else, so she just does a lot of really, really dumb shit. She like,
0: did kill a kitten. <laughs> she's like, what? I the- can't, I can't let it go for this. She did kill a kitten. She
1: did. Oh, yeah, she did. I mean, kids
0: are the worst. But I just, I feel so, like, I feel like after she, she's, Maybe the the person who might who might get out next because she came so far in one run.
2: She yeah, rewatching it was really fun with Nanami because she's one of those characters where the first again when you're 13 and you're like oh that kid because you're at about the same age she is. Mm-hmm. Um, you just it's really easy to just hate her and just be really happy when bad things happen to her. Um, <laughs> so you know take care of Ms. Nanami was a really cathartic episode because it's like yeah you take take that mean girl. Yeah no Nanami is definitely one of those characters where like.
0: In real life and especially if you're in that age group, she's that's not a person you can sympathize with. Yes, maybe they're going through their whole thing, but they're still making your life hell in the meanwhile.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but then rewatching it as an adult, I I did wind up with a lot more sympathy for her and kind of and again, like you said, like the amount of growth she has over the course of the series is really um unique and remarkable given where she starts and she is she they do this with a few of the characters in the early arc like she and Saiungi especially they start off as kind of like these sort of like dramatic threatening figures and then the deeper you get into the show you re- you realize that they have just as little power as pretty much everybody else and then they become a lot more sympathetic and kind of pathetic as the story uh, progresses i i think even though it's
0: it's it's not really fair cuz he's not He's not really much better off than anyone else, but I think that's why I have the hardest time giving Toga slack, is because compared to all the other characters, like, he's ultimately pathetic and fooling himself, but he does have more power than basically every other teenage character.
1: He wants to be like Akio. Which is a Like, mistake. he's just... <laughs> right, well, yeah, it yeah. is a mistake. He, but, you know, he's just... um, He's the boy who has been given a model for masculinity... And he aspires to it without realizing how damaging it really is. Right. Like, yeah. he, and he thinks really is the hero.
2: He does. And he really is like kind of the zealot of the story. Like everyone else kind of has some sort of personal goal that they're heading towards. And then they kind of map these big ideals onto it. So like Miki's shining thing is really just his relationship with his sister. Jerry's miracles have to do with Shiori, you know, like there's, there's, there's a personal element to everybody's stories. Um, but Togas really is this very kind of zealot sort of, I'm going to become this heroic figure and, you know, rise to the top of the power structure and change the world. And so he becomes, as the story progresses, he becomes, like, very isolated. And to me, that's the thing I find kind of sad about his story arc, is he really has no emotional connections by the end of it, where everyone else does. And so it kind of shows you how, even when it looks like you're the person in charge with lots of power and kind of living that dream that society tells you you should live in terms of aggressive masculinity, like, at the end of the day, his life is very empty. Yeah, and I guess that he is...
1: Uh he is the patriarchy hurts everybody character. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Like yeah. in in a way that's not as as obvious as Sionji but is still very true. And I guess maybe right. that's what's kind of sweet about his relationship with Sionji whether it's mm-hmm. a friendship or the yeah. definitely sublimated crush feels that Sionji is carrying around <laughs> yeah. is that he's a he's a person in the in the spectrum of privilege who can pull, can still reach Toga, but also pull him back a little bit That's because true. he's poisoned yeah. from the same well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I said he was isolated from everyone, but I was thinking more kind of in like the Black Rose arc, especially, um, mm-hmm. which I was kind of brushing up on before we got to this. But yeah, you're right. By the end of the story, he and Sionji have kind of repaired their relationship, and so there is sort of a hope there. It's like, well, okay, if you can, if you can both back off of these, you know, um, ideals of toxic masculinity, you might be okay. Maybe you're gonna go through the wash a lot more times. to watch some of that trash off, you trash boys. Yes. I have a a confession. I really liked Toga the first time I watched the show. Um, I was, like, convinced that he was going to be redeemable. Um, And part of it, I think, was because... (laughs) <laughs> well, I was well. Actually, no. Um, I was reading. So the way I watched it was like I was watching the first season almost simultaneously with the manga, and then and then I immediately jumped into the movie. And mm-hmm. in the movie, there is a lot more um, kind of depth and complexity to his character, and, and more. He's a very different character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's much I'd more. I'd say of he is the most different. Kind of a tragic figure in the film.
0: Right. Although I do mm-hmm. wonder if the the abuse backstory is meant to be read back into the series because it
1: does. I think so.
0: Explain how how the transformation happens between this kind of warm kid that Sionji remembers and that very cold distant is power kind of figure in a very yeah, sad way so. it really does I
1: think it's been it w- I, it's been a while since I've watched um, past the student Council's arc it's been a while since I've watched that too but it's been longer mm-hmm. but I do think it's alluded to in the TV series I, I feel like I remember something like that not that I
0: recall but you could be right the, it, it's the just always a yeah, Sorry, the one on. thing
2: they do in the, no, you're good. Um, in the series, they there are references to kind of like the adoption element and like between he and Nanami and their parents maybe not being their blood relatives, um, which does sort of feed into the, the things you learn in the film. So I think I think they are, I would say that they probably are intended to be kind of the same story. It's interesting that that got completely left out of the TV series because it does really kind of change the way you, you look at Toga as a character. Mm-hmm. But I would say that you can you can easily map that back onto onto the TV mm-hmm. character as well. Yeah,
1: definitely. That's right. It's going way back to um, sort of talking about the subverse, like how the show is sort of um, responding to popular uh, shoujo tropes of the '90s, and like that made me think of the scene where the uh, the amusement park episode. Holy fuck yeah you know i still mm. have arguments
0: with that people with people over yeah. whether that's statutory rape uh by the way
1: yeah it yes, is, it is. It, yes it is i mean it's not just statutory rape because first of all i missed that episode and like my first two times watching the series because it's like oh it's a recap episode Bloop.
2: oh my gosh <laughs> that really changes the feel of the last time yeah show too. yeah it
1: really it, it really uh affected my understanding of the show i think mm-hmm. it felt very clear to me that this was a an encounter that would normally be romanticized but first of all the uh stop signs a lot of people don't notice that when it flashes to the road the kanji that's flashing on the road is says stop yeah it does yeah, yeah you're right so i think a lot of people miss that because that is a 100% clear indicator of what was going on. But like the way Utuna was babbling and sort of dis- mentally disconnecting from the experience. Like it was not like it was not a good encounter. And her talking about, oh, thank you for this night is almost, you know, it's almost like, oh, I should desire this. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I've been wanting so right it's 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 not dissimilar to the incest that to to
0: danami's um, issues with toga i think in that it's it's a fun it's a fun theoretical fantasy to be wooed by an older person but the reality of that is is ugly and can be very emotionally damaging mm -hmm. because you are an adult and this is a child what the fuck are you doing
1: right and that encounter significantly messes utina up for the rest of the show, mm-hmm. which yeah, like I said, not not seeing that part
2: really changes your perspective. Yeah. yeah, you really you really can't skip the recap episodes of Newton. It's It's the one show where you cannot skip the recap episodes. I do no, wonder. Never skip the recap episode.
0: If that's a trick that Ikuhara like borrowed from Ano, because you know the the two are definitely friend friendly, yeah. like to the point where. Yeah, okay. You're not admitting that you stole the ending of Utana for the second rebuild movie, but we all saw what you did.
2: <laughs> I still need to see the I rebuild haven't. movies, but now knowing yeah, that going in would be movies. fascinating.
0: They, um, well, there's, I guess, spoilers, whatever. I don't. I have the rebuild movies sure do exist, but there's a <laughs> there's a scene in the second movie where where Shinji is doing the more traditional masculinity that the movies have decided he needs to do. Not that I'm bitter. Uh, and and he rescues Ray from being eaten by an angel in a repli- in a replication, straight up of of the hand scene from the last episode of Utana.
2: Oh wow! Yeah,
0: it's sure a thing. <laughs> I have derailed yeah. the conversation. With I was going to say, what were we
2: talking about before we got before we got salty about the rebuild movies?
0: <laughs> uh, tropes, tropes, nineties tropes, and and how it definitely like. I think this show certainly transcends its time and. Mm-hmm. And is definitely applicable no matter what age you are, but it helps to know what was coming out around it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's very true, because that was m- maybe even more so than, than now. Even um, there was very much kind of a push in. You had a lot of, uh, especially shoujo series, where the high schooler falling in love with like the the with the grown up was kind of like a romantic storyline, or um, or you know some of the incest stuff that would kind of that was coming out around that time as well it was really all kind of played as very romantic and Utena sort of looks at those and goes, no, 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 there's something deeply wrong with this. Um, Like it's, it's a
0: nice, it's a, nice idea until you actually enact those things beyond a subtexty level that was all those anime would ever do. Sorry I'm thinking about the one sour note in Cardcaptor Sakura again now and I'm well, sad.
1: Yeah here. no I was thinking about that too. That
0: show was so good and so sweet <sighs> and then there's that one subplot you're like Clamp no. Clamp what are you doing? Stop.
1: Clamp's got some really really weird ideas about what is acceptable in romance uh because there's a lot of there's honestly there's a lot of teacher student loving in clamp series it's bad yeah that's that's
2: one of my that's one of my big nopes um in media that one's that one's high up on the list
1: yep
0: um
2: same here and the- because the find... power dynamics are just... And that was the thing they did so well with Utena too, was they really made a point of highlighting that it's not necessarily an age... I mean, it is an age thing, but it's not because it's really about the power dynamics. Like, Because yeah. Toga's 17, 18. Like, he's technically probably not really a kid at this point in the story, but the, his scenes with Akio are still just loaded with that sense of something is deeply wrong here because Akio has so much power over him.
0: Right, and, you know... Anthe is as old as Akio, is technically, but her
2: mm-hmm.
0: her romance with Utuna doesn't really raise flags for me because they are ultimately equals.
2: Yeah, and the show takes care to show them in um in that that equal that equality dynamic. Like they their relationship builds as they become closer to seeing each other on that on that same plane.
0: And Akio is such an interesting figure because he's one of the few characters who I would call sexual, and he's he's sexy in an adult kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only other character who I can really think of who is that self possessed in their sexuality is is when Sayo Yamamoto did the woman called
2: Fujikomine. That's true. You don't see that a lot in anime. Those those kind of adult characters who just kind of exude that sense of like sexual power. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And then
1: there's movie Akio. And yeah, and that makes like all of the scenes of Akio like taking pictures of Toga and Sayonji like doing sexy poses on his car. Like he's just. He's just exploiting these children left and right. Uchina is not not escapism. It
2: kind of starts off that way. Like, the first arc is really fun, and there's a lot of silly episodes, and Nanami gets chased by elephants, and it's great. But, yeah, the deeper you get into it, kind of the darker it gets. Um, And then it really does become um, emotionally... Mm. Emotionally... um, Fulfilling, but also exhausting, for sure.
0: It's amazing how it. Do- I mean, considering this aired, I believe at a, at a, like a six p.m. primetime slot, the amount of stuff it crams in there, and and how just it, it mm-hmm. brings you out
1: emotionally. And at the end, Anthony stabbed Utna on Christmas Day.
2: <gasps> oh my God! I did not ah! know that. That's a- no, you didn't know. that? No, that's a fun yeah. fact.
1: That
2: uh, no. episode.
0: <laughs> That's what we call a pain fact. It That's is. a bad, bad pain fact.
1: Yeah, Utina. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. Oh no, the finale was on Chris. The finale was on Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety seven, and Christmas Eve in Japan is a romantic holiday, mm-hmm. which I think is just beautifully messed up, and I don't know if it was. It was planned that way, to have that episode air on Christmas.
2: Probably not. Maybe, probably just a coincidence. Just how the airing schedule worked out. But it does, it does yeah. kind of, that does kind of work out. That's fun. Um,
0: and it's such it a really is. beautiful ending. Like, I love that it ends, you know, this story starts with Utena, but it ends with Anthe. And then mm-hmm. just yeah, my the, heart. The
2: way the series builds Anthe is, because, I mean, they do kind of, I feel like they do a good job of having the audience change their perspective of her sort of as Utna does, because um, I know the first time I watched, especially that first arc, which was all I had for a little while there, um, it's really, it's kind of easy to just write her off as sort of just like, just a damsel-esque kind of empty character who's just sort of there to get bounced around between everybody else. And then as you get into it, you're like, oh, no, I was falling into the same patterns that the rest of the student council was, as you, you know, learn more about more about her circumstances and her just terribly sad backstory. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes people go too far to attribute like every bad thing that happens to everyone retroactively yeah. oh, to yeah. Anthony. But it really is. It really is incredible. Just le- and, and heartbreaking the things that she does, which are sometimes mm-hmm. incredibly awful because that's just the only recourse left to her. I love Anthe. Yeah, I was
2: gonna say we really haven't. <laughs> we've, we've, we've kind of we've bounced around a lot of the characters. We haven't really talked about uh, Anthe up to this point, um, and how you know the story is. Again, there's so many ways you can read this, and so many different ways you can kind of approach it and, and look at it. And I love that about it because every time I get into it, I you know get to see something a little bit different about it than I did prior. But that element of it kind of being at um, at heart a story about somebody in a trapped in a terribly abusive relationship finding a way out of that. Is really beautiful and inspiring, um, and that that last scene where where all Utna does mm-hmm. is just reach out her hand and Anthe takes it. It's just I cry, I cry like a little baby every time. Yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful <laughs> is the thing. Unironically, oh. I'm tearing up a little bit. I might. Yeah, they're very good. The show is this show. Yeah, it's very near and dear.
0: I I am in, like sad and slightly angry forever that you know Mega House made that that. Utina figure, and they had a prototype of Anthy that apparently they just what? up and canceled, Aww. and it was really beautiful of like her in her rosebud oh, bride man. costume.
2: That would have been, been a great set. I see. know, and Anthy, yeah, she's such a she's such a I fantastic know. character in her own right. Like she, she deserves her own figure. It's just, and it,
0: it's so
1: she's such a hard character
2: to mm-hmm.
0: appreciate the first go around because so much of what she does is off screen by design. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like. When I first watched the student council arc, I was not not excited by uh, Anthea mm-hmm. at all.
0: Right. Like the fact that she posted the letter, Wakaba's letter, you could never, it's not one of those things that you could figure it out from context clues, really. You have to know.
1: Yeah. Anthe is definitely like what makes the rewatching the show absolutely essential to understanding it because there's so much that she does. That's off screen.
0: And I wonder if maybe because like a show like, you know, Evangelion's famous for being weird and mind great. But that is a show where I think if you kind of knew the baseline going in, you could get what you needed on one viewing. You really have to watch Utida twice. And it is 39 episodes long. Yeah, I, I mean, here, have 80 episodes.
1: 30, 39 episodes seems really long nowadays now that everything's 13 episodes. But it wasn't really considered that long back in the day. Like nowadays, everything's just one season. But you know, in the '90s, 52-episode series were not uncommon, especially for Shojo. That's a good point. Right, and well, and especially like you know, in in the heyday mm-hmm. of Gundam, where that was just a yeah. done thing. Yeah, Fushigi Yugi, 52 episodes. Oh we'll God. do another and, episode about and Fushigi 3 Yugi someday. Oh I'm my sure. God,
2: we will do that, won't we? Um, and then Dee gets to try to explain. <laughs> How much she loves it, and how flawed it is. Oh, that'll be good times. I mean. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. And you, but and because I mean, and I don't think it's one of those shows where you want to tell somebody off the bat. Oh well, here's why. Here's Anthe's backstory, so you know going into it because that, the experience of having your understanding of the characters changed is part of what mm-hmm. makes the Utna experience like so unique and important, I think. And I think that's true with a lot of, I think most great mm-hmm. narratives um, find a way to kind of um, challenge your understanding of characters as you go. And, you know, finding out everything about Anthea and Akio and, you know, what her circumstances have been is that surprise is is like vital to um watching the series as well i think because it does kind of challenge the audience's own assumptions and per- and uh, perceptions as well as it does the characters which is so great active storytelling is wonderful right and the whole thing where where initially people are like ah you
0: can skip the black no, rose saga do not we skip the black rose it. saga <laughs> no you cannot
1: yeah just ikuhara is so he that man is a trip <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's, this is his longest,
0: I mean, not including Sailor Moon, because, you know, I, I like what he did with Sailor Moon, but it's also yeah. not entirely his baby. I don't think it's it's coincidence that this is his longest, like, basically solo project, and also his most perfectly paced. Like, I like, I like Yurikuma Arashi. I had a hard time with
1: Yuri Kuma. It needed I, more time. I had, <laughs> had a really hard time, time with Yuri Kuma. I honestly, I had trouble um, emotionally engaging with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. penguin utuna and penguin drum both of them i was able to get you know get be, get into the characters um and the story on as well as digesting the imagery but Yuri Kuma was so just like everything's a symbol see and i
0: had the opposite problem with penguin where like i, I was able to just kind of go along with what yurikuma was doing and follow where it went when i just I will finish it eventually, but I just stalled out on Penguin Drum. I think Drum. Penguin
1: Drum is... It's interesting because, like, Penguin Drum is probably the densest Ikuhara series. However, I think it is uh, most accessible to, you know, like we were talking about before, it's most accessible to um, people who don't want to just, like, have to read all of the visual language to really understand what's going on. Like, there's a lot of... Sim- There are symbols that are very obviously symbols.
0: Do you think this hat is important?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you know, the child broiler. um, Yeah. But at the same time. I don't think Bry's gotten to the good stuff yet.
2: Yeah. No, I definitely never got to I the I may have stalled out That's during fair. Ringo's That's fair. That was arc. where I was watching it as it aired and I got into the, the kind of the Ringo arc, which is like episodes five through seven or something. And I hit a point with it where I was like, this needs to start moving someplace sooner. I might actually just give up on it. Um, and then it does. And the second half is the second half is fantastic.
0: I didn't consciously give up on it. Oh. Hulu took it away <laughs> from me. Jeez, Hulu.
1: Is this streaming anywhere right now? It, yeah, penguin oh, drones. If you don't have the
2: Blu rays, which I do, um, but Vry doesn't live close enough for me to throw them at at them, so that wouldn't work out.
0: I mean, I, I, I do I do live close to like the lat like no no, I can I, I do live close to like one of six actual brick and mortar stores that sell Money. anime, but Yeah,
2: know. no, that's yeah that's fair. Um but yeah, if it ever if it ever comes back, definitely, definitely finish it out. It's truthfully, I think oh yeah, it's, for sure, because yeah, sure. Um, it's. I I think it's. I liked. I think I liked Yodikuma better than Penguin Drum. Um, at the end of the day, um, I and part of it was I was blogging it, so I was watching it a lot. Um, I really struggled with the first three episodes, but then after that, um, I got I got into it and I got really, really a little too attached to the bears, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I was. Yeah, no, there's some shit happens yeah, there. So it's by the okay. end, by the last episode, I was I was tearing up and was so happy and just um, it's one of those series that it's, you almost have to watch it all in one go because it's really like a novel rather than a se- You know, how some anime are kind of like episode by episode. You can talk about them. Like, I think mm-hmm. Utna is like that because each episode is kind of its own self-contained like character arc. Right, because there are yeah, so many individual and with the and with the threads, dual but... format, like, you do have an episode where it's like, and today we're going to focus on Miki, and today we're going to focus on Juri. Um, mm-hmm. So you can kind of watch it, like, a couple episodes this week, and then, you know, you could watch it week by week on TV, and I think it would have been fine. Yurikuma is very much one story. And um, so trying to watch it week in and week out, I think, was kind of, was very difficult, and it's one of those where you almost can't discuss you almost can't review the early episodes without having the end of the story. Um, Because again, and that's Ikakara's thing is every show there's, there's some kind of reveal that changes your understanding of how these people, of who these people are and what they were doing. Um, And Yorikuma definitely Mm -hmm. uh, pulls, pulls that rug out from under you a few times as it goes.
1: But I
0: think even at the end, it is, it is a series I like because I was invested mm-hmm. enough in that central relationship, but it is also a series that frustrates me because yeah. it had 12 episodes, and I'm over here waving my hand like, hey, Ikuhara, are you going to do anything with the fact that all these characters resolutely call each other friends even though they have blatantly sexual relationships? <laughs> are, are you going to actually come
2: back to this issue of the male gaze? Ikuhara, Ikuhara, <laughs> come back! Yeah, he had to cram a lot in for sure, um, and there's definitely things that could have been expanded on. The, the friend thing... um Gosh, don't quote me on that because I've not read nearly enough Yuri Manga to be able to say this for sure. But I think that's kind of a trope of the genre, um, that he's very much addressing.
1: No, yeah, it's I, like I think totally
2: sort of thing
0: intentionally playing on it, but it never he never like put a he never put a he he had it in there but never mm. did anything with it. It it was just like a background thing that was doing the trope, yeah. not commenting on the trope.
1: It's interesting how the Utina Phantom has endured over all of the years mm-hmm. um, how you know it, in this day and age um, anime fandom for individual series tends to be very flash in the pan mm-hmm. not a lot of shows have staying power it's all sort of regarded as disposable but Utna, you know you look around online and there's still all this fantastic analysis going on there's readings of the characters that i've never seen before popping up on tumblr all the time there's fan art coming out the ears and it's just a series that really speaks to so many people to the point that it is becoming cross-generational because it has been you know 20 20 years now yeah you know that's almost that's about Two thirds of
0: how long I've been alive, and I mean, you you could say that at least some of it is because it came out in the '90s when there was a less anime being made and b less available in the West. But that doesn't that that yeah, only accounts for a little bit. Yeah, because there's still a
1: lot of '90s shows that are very much forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, that are that were good shows. You know, how many shows from 1997
0: can you name? Yeah, no, U- Utana is is definitely special, and it rewards. It rewards people who stick with it, people mm-hmm. who invest in it. And its characters are memorable both in design and in writing and in acting. The act I
2: mean, we, we really only talked about Utna, but the acting it is really solid is. across it the is. board. Yeah, all of the, the actors do a phenomenal job. Um I, I don't I, I can never actually remember her name, but the, the woman who plays Anthe, um she is phenomenal. God, I love the her. amount of, of sort of subtle emotion and um, little hitches she puts into the character's voice. in a character who really does kind of have to be like this sort of mask of placidity for so much of the show. Um, she's able to just put so much depth and, and personality into her that gets completely lost in the dub. Um, mm-hmm. with, you know, tragically. Boy, that, and we begin and end <laughs> with the terrible dub.
0: Oh, can I tell my favorite terrible okay. dub story? <laughs> So apparently Crispin oh, Freeman has yes. the story he tells at cons. Yeah, where he had to go to the dubbing team and be like, "Um, so So Jury's a closeted lesbian." And they're like, "What? No, she's like, we can't or rather yeah, <laughs> they're all like, it, "What is but,
1: her deal? Right. Like, why is she so angry?" And Crispin's like, "Are you Are you kidding? What? Like, are you not <laughs> Do you not understand <laughs> Um, and I think that speaks a lot for the like how much care and thought Crispin puts into the care, into his characters compared to a lot Mm of, uh, dub actors sometimes. Like, like I know dub actors are working really hard. This is not meant to be a slam on dub actors, but they're also all like, you know, they have to, they're all freelancers. They all have to like chase after whatever roles they can. They don't have necessarily have time to, um, sit down and think and think and think about the characters a lot of them like yo flip through the script get a sense of what's going on and then go in and do their best right pay the months right go on do the next thing yeah exactly like listen my my dad was a starving actor for a while Mm -hmm. i know how it is (laughs) but yeah like crispin really he puts a lot of time into he he has said that at conventions that he goes in and he watches as much of the series as it takes for him to really understand what the character's like main driving motivation is. He's, and that's probably why his
2: toga is the most. Although, although part of I time. this will this is one of those moments that will stay with me forever. Um, I think it's in the first episode after Utna beats Sionji. There is no way to say this line without it sounding awkward. So this is not a knock on him, but he busts out an "Oh yes, baby, you've lit a fire in my heart," <laughs> and it is the funniest damn thing. It oh, was- that oh, line no. always oh, stuck no, with me. Poor <laughs> <Damon>. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no way oh, to no. say that line without it sounding ridiculous. Um, and it was, it was amazing. That's that's my strongest memory of the oh, dub. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, no, sorry. Circling back to the the Is show's it- staying power, I think that also really speaks to how. Either ahead of its time or just straight up timeless it is as a Mm -hmm. series because there's a lot of stuff that came out in the 90s that I enjoyed at the time and then I watch now and I'm like, oh, that's super dated. I'm Um, afraid to watch Slayers. (laughs) Yeah, there are are definitely things in Slayers that have not aged well. I still love it. It's still one of my favorite shows. But um, yeah. But yeah, there are.
1: Who who remembers Hyper Police? I don't. I do not. Who remembers
2: those Um, who hunt elves? I do. But... (laughs) Um. Tenchi Muyo <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really there's a, there's a handful of shows that have kind of come out As being sort of these classic masterpieces And for a while, just because Utno was so hard to track down It was kind of one of those Almost like, I hesitate to use the term underground Because it makes it sound like we're all wearing hipster glasses While we talk about it, but I mean, maybe we were. I don't know. Um, it was all online. <laughs> um, but it was one of those that kind of like, like you know, you'd hear people raving about um, Evangelion and Cowboy Bebop for, for good reason. Like, those are also excellent shows from the, from the 90s for sure. Um, but you wouldn't, Utna was always one of those where it would be like almost this sort of quiet undercurrent of, have you heard about Utna? It's really hard to track down, but it's amazing. You should find it. Mm-hmm. Like, you had to go on quests, as we all mentioned, to, to get your hands on it for a while there. But it's still, but even with that, even with that difficulty of finding it, it has still withstood the test of time and kind of mm-hmm. become a classic. And more and more, especially with Tumblr, with it now being readily available on uh, YouTube. Thanks, Nozomi. Um, Yay! More, I think more and more people are coming into it, and because it does have that that sort of timeless quality, where it is still topical and important in um, the stories uh, that it and the themes that it you know tells. I think it's it's getting a little bit more of a boost in terms of popularity and really kind of cementing itself as you know one of the all time best. Writing about Utina was
1: the first thing, like the first thing that I did as a blogger. And was was it fairly early on for both of you when you were getting into yeah the blogging?
2: Um, yeah, yeah. I had been pretty uh, yeah. It was it was the the th- the
0: third series, I guess. I really did long for, but it was the longest series that I that I. Really like set, packed a lunch because be- right before that I did a um, woman called Fujiko Mine, which is only thirteen episodes.
2: Yeah, it was a fairly early one for me. I and really I wouldn't have done it. I mean, again, major thanks to Vry for for getting me kind of on that uh, on that beat. But um, it was one of those series that was so big and so close to my heart that I hadn't really thought about doing a series on it for a while and then and then when when i started reading raya's post i was like oh i want to rewatch this oh i want to talk about it and then it sort of spiraled <laughs> oh, into this and, and i'm so that glad was, you that did was Your so posts fun doing the, doing the back and forth there um, i guess this is the part where we're plugging our work <laughs> um
0: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i think as, as a final note i
0: would say that if you can i don't i've i've heard buzz about a blu-ray Supposedly. set i don't Nozomi know if that's happening said it was their, one of their uh, but their you for the year right well that maybe wait for that I don't know mm-hmm. but
2: I I have the DVD sets they're and they really gorgeous. are worth incredible. Money. They they all come with um art booklets and there's um translated interviews and com and creator commentary and yeah they're they they give you a lot of extra they're the bang for your buck is incredible because you do get so much um supplementary mm-hmm. material with them too. Yeah. Um I just there are so many
1: recent series where I well more recent series where I feel like I will never talk about them because there's nothing to add to the conver- I don't have anything to add to the conversation it's been combed over and discussed from you know front to back uh, That is no, it's no longer fertile ground but like I said Utena just all the time like there's some fascinating new reading mm-hmm. there you know there's something to there's a different perspective and that's just that's incredible uh, it's good. <laughs> it, I, I believe that
0: is the co- that that is the conclusion <laughs> we have all come to. That there it Utena series, it is good. Series, good, prize, it is a good.
2: Um, that was our thesis all along. <laughs> That's our
0: shocking conclusion. <laughs> it's it's pretty good, yeah. y'all. All right. So since we kind of dipped into it a little bit, do I would you two like to plug the stuff you do when you are not uh, helping around with NFM? Sure. Um.
1: I'll go ahead. I go first, fight to Kayla. the death to it's go fine. who goes I'll, first okay um i run my own blog heroin problem heroin has an e um <laughs> so i have a heroin problem i do um much like on anime feminist uh feminist analysis of and criticism of anime and manga Heroinproblem.com.
2: Uh yeah, and I run uh the Jose Next Door, a friendly neighborhood anime blog. I uh it's I guess I've been running it for almost three years now. Wow. A lot of episode commentaries, um, some some essays involved. Um I did a whole I did a whole Sailor Moon newbie review series that was super fun. Uh, which is actually how Ryan I met, so that was great. And was yeah, uh, kind of similar focus. I mean, I one of the reasons uh, I think Amelia reached out to me because we didn't know each other at all before and before Antifemme. I think one of the reasons she reached out to me is a lot of the work I had done there was already sort of slanted towards um, uh, feminism, gender issues, like in in particular, um, and and kind of um, queer representation and things like that. So uh, that's kind of kind of what the Josie Next Door has sort of expanded into. I guess
0: it's it's been fun. Well, and you do do you still do uh, contributions uh, yeah. at Anime Evo?
2: Yeah, that's where I'm is doing. Rock where writing go. About Rock go? Um, and I and I post all those on my blog, so you can link to them pretty easily. But yeah, I do. Uh, I'm a regular contributor there. Um, I do one. I do one series um, per season, pretty much for them, um, and which is nice. I think a lot of people think I just do like recaps there, or reviews, but it's 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 and it's analysis and commentary, like exclusively. I'm not really interested in, in doing a recap format there. Um, so I do those and then occasionally I'll write for, um, well, I, I have, um, anime feminist now. I used to do some stuff for the Mary Sue. Um, so yeah, my, my name's been, been sprinkled around the interwebs a little bit at this point.
0: And if for some reason you're not tired of my voice yet, I run a blog called fashionable tinfoil accessories where I don't have a lot of anime stuff. Up there right now, I think all of the ongoing series I'm working on right now are Western-based. Um, I recap Steven Universe. I'm rewatching Gravity Falls. Uh, oh no, I, I am doing a series on Gonkutsuo while also while while also working through my complicated yes. feelings about Anne Rice. Don't ask. <laughs> um, and I also have a movie podcast because by law everyone is allotted one called Trash and Treasures. So if you want to listen to me um, garble. Queer representation issues about weird trash <laughs> movies—that is the podcast for you. And otherwise, uh, yeah, you can find us all hanging around at Anifem, and hopefully, we've provided meaty, tasty, delicious discourse for you on this day. And yeah, I—you've promised that Fushigi Yugi pro- podcast oh. now. I hope you know that, and people are people yeah. flo- <laughs> are champing at <laughs> the bit. I have I'm to picking like it my, or something. I'm picking up
1: my blog summaries of that too. I've got one on the queue. Oh yeah, I mean, they're yeah, they're fantastic.
0: If you you should listen, uh, Caitlin, your tweets about <laughs> about that show are truly magnificent. Thank
1: you, thank you.
0: All right, I think that uh, wraps us up here. Thanks you guys so
2: much for joining me. Thank you to guys talk for this kind of today. scheduling this and sort of encouraging me to be a part of it because I was I was very nervous about speaking to people in the interle- in the interweb lands. Um, and this was lots of fun. So, thanks, guys. Yeah
1: podcasts yeah, are really great. just a hopefully, conversation that you let other people listen to
0: <laughs> yeah definitely and and to all of you out there hopefully listening this was been a really great and let us know what you think of this kind of one series conversational format and if you'd like to see more of that in future or any feedback you've got we'd love to hear it but for now i think let's uh take this podcast and sign That's off great. All all right. Right. We'll see you guys later bye, bye guys Hey everyone, Fry here. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, you can find more of our work at www.animefeminist.com. You can talk to us on Twitter, at animefeminist, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash animefem, or visit us on patreon.com slash animefeminist, which helps us keep the lights on and pay all of the writers who submit stuff to our website. And if you're already a patron, please stop by. And have a chat with us. We'd love to expand our reach and really get an idea of what our readers would like to see us discussing so that we can better serve you in the future. All right, until next time, bye!